Good morning, Living Faith Church family and all of our guests that are worshiping with us across the United States and around the world. We are so glad you have joined us. And happy Mother's Day to all of our mothers and grandmothers, great-grandmothers. God bless you on this special day. I pray that the Holy Spirit will just pour in an extra measure of his love into your heart on this very, very special day. God has given me what I believe is a very important message for us today. And I, uh, I'm going to actually read the first portion of this message because the way Father gave it to me, I want to share it with you word for word. Let's bow our hearts together in prayer. Heavenly Father, powerfully anoint this message that you've given to me, God. I pray that the anointing of the Holy Spirit will enable me to preach the word with divine authority and divine power, and that, Father God, your word would be that living word that would go to the heart and bring faith and bring love and mercy and grace to the hearts, to the hearts of the hearers, Lord. And, Father, may there come a fresh working of the Holy Spirit in every heart today in Jesus' name. And I thank you, mighty God. I thank you, mighty God, for your anointing. Amen. Amen. December 16th, 1944, Germany launched one last major offensive, making an attempt to turn the tide of the western front of World War II. It became known as the Battle of the Bulge. A tiny village was the anchor point of the victory for the Allied forces and a major turning point of the consistent victories that had been won since D-Day. The 101st Airborne, nicknamed the Screaming Eagles, held that tiny village of Bastion. And December 18th, the Screaming Eagles were entirely surrounded by the German forces. As the morning of December 19th dawned, the Allied forces were outnumbered five to one by the Nazi forces. And they were being hard-pressed as their supplies were running dangerously low, including their ammunition. But the Screaming Eagles held on, turning back, attack after attack. And on December 22nd, the German commander, General von Lutwitz, sent the message to the American forces, quote, there is only one possibility to save the encircled USA troops from total annihilation, and that is the honorable surrender of the encircled town. In order to think it over, a term of two hours will be granted, beginning with the presentation of this note. Brigadier General Anthony McAuliffe commander of the 101st Airborne Division, sent the return, this return message. Quote, to the German commander, nuts, signed the American commander. Confused by the American commander's answer, nuts, the Germans asked the American officer 
that had delivered the message for an interpretation. The American officer answered, quote, it means you can go to hell, unquote. The Allied forces desperately needed the weather to clear so they could use their superior air force to strengthen and to gain an advantage. General Patton ordered his chaplain to compose a prayer for the weather to clear. And after praying that prayer, the next day the skies were clear and the Allied forces were in the air bringing the much-needed supplies and turning the tide, slowly turning the tide of the Battle of the Bulge. General William C. Lee was the initial commander of the 101st Airborne Division. At the inauguration of that division, this was a portion of his speech. Quote, the 101st Airborne Division activated at Camp Claiborne, Louisiana, has no history, but it has a rendezvous with destiny. Like the early American pioneers whose invincible courage was the foundation stone of this nation, we have broken with the past and its traditions in order to establish our claim to the future. Due to the nature of our armament and the tactics in which we shall perfect ourselves, we shall be called upon to carry out operations of far-reaching military importance, and we shall habitually go into action when the need is immediate and extreme. Let me call your attention to the fact that our enemies will be falling down upon them like a thunderbolt from the skies. Our badge is the great American eagle. And this is a fitting emblem for a division. The history we shall make, the record of the high achievements we hope to write in the annals of the American army and the American people depends wholly and completely on the men of this division. Each individual, each officer, and each enlisted man must, be, uh, must, must, must regard himself as the necessary part of a complex and powerful instrument for the overcoming of the enemies of the nation. Each, in his own job, must realize that he is not only a means, but an indispensable means for obtaining the great victory it is therefore not too much to say that the future itself in whose molding we expect to have our share is in the hands of the soldiers of the 101st Airborne Division. And that was never more true than those days in December 1944 and January 1945 when the brave 101st Airborne Screaming Eagles held on to that tiny village of Bastion. There's a reason that the newspapers across America labeled them 
the battling bastards of Bastion. And it was because they literally were doing exactly what their initial commanding officer had said. They were putting their lives on the line to fight for freedom and to keep America free. Make no mistake of it. If there had been no defeat of the Nazi forces, the world would be totally different place today. And those things that have made our nation great would have been lost. The 101st Airborne. Interesting because it was Hitler himself that took upon the oversight and complete leadership of that last great push, the Battle of the Bulge. And when his forces were turned and pushed back to the Ardennes, it spelled the end of his hopeful millennial reign. He had taken on himself to be the Lord Jesus Christ, to be the Savior, the Redeemer, that King that would rule for 1,000 years upon the earth. But God had another plan. And he used the hands and the feet and the courage and the strength and the steadfastness of the 101st Airborne to turn that around. I want you to know we are facing another time, another battle of the bulge. And Satan and Lucifer himself has taken on the oversight and the leadership, specifically directing this great attack. This one last push to try and drive the church of the Lord Jesus Christ and the kingdom of God off the face of the earth. And I want you to understand, dear one, that you and I are now the spiritual 101st Airborne battling this fight in the battle of the bulge. And make no mistake of it, it is going to take every one of us being willing to fulfill our task and to take the spiritual gifts and the natural gifts that God has woven into our very being and use them to push back and drive back the forces. Oh, there's going to be times when we will become greatly discouraged, when the skies will get dark, when it will seem that it's hopeless, when it will look like we're absolutely going to be defeated because we are outnumbered, maybe even a hundred to one, the demonic forces are surrounding us, and it seems like there is no way but I want you to understand something. Our commander-in-chief, the Lord Jesus Christ, the King of glory, he has said to you and I, make no mistake of it, we will win this fight. But we must stand fast with the courage and the strength that only Almighty God himself can give us. He has not given us a spirit of fear, but of power and of love and of a sound mind, and we can win this fight.
but not in our own strength. Left to ourselves, left to our own devices, trying to handle it inside our own strength with our own natural abilities. There's a reason, Scripture says, that God does not take glory in the legs of men. (laughs) There's a reason that Scripture says, it's not by might nor by power. It's not by our physical strength. It's not by our natural skills and abilities. Albeit God wove into our very fabric the skills, the abilities, the gifts that he's given to us. But not for us to use them in our own strength. It's not by our carnal mind, our natural mind, that we're going to win this battle. That's why Scripture says that the wisdom of men is foolishness to God. We we can't do it ourselves. It's not by might nor by power, but by my spirit, saith the Lord of hosts. By my spirit. You see, we can't do this in our own strength. It's got to be by the strength of the Holy Spirit in us and through us. That's why Jesus said in John chapter 14, he said, if you love me, keep my commandments. And I will pray the Father. He may give you another comforter, even the spirit of truth, excuse me, even another comforter, that he may abide with you forever. Even the spirit of truth, whom the world cannot receive, because it seeth him not, neither knoweth him, but ye know him, for he dwelleth with you and shall be in you. Jesus was referring to a whole reset of the kingdom of Almighty God. Up until the time of Jesus Christ's death, burial, and resurrection, Holy Spirit had worked with men. I I find it humorous that so often Hollywood has portrayed men men like... like, uh, Joshua, Moses, Samson, and they they, they portray them as Arnold Schwarzeneggers. But that's not what Scripture says. You read, each time these men did something great, it talked about, and the Spirit of the Lord came upon them, and then they did something for Almighty God. It wasn't the natural strength. It wasn't their natural ability. It wasn't, it wasn't their might and power. It was the might and power of Holy Spirit upon them that enabled them to do the great exploits they did for Almighty God. But Jesus said, he is with you, but shall be in you. There was a whole new day coming because Holy Spirit now was not just going to be with us, He was going to be in us, working in us, and working through us, not just upon us. Wow. Wow. And that's a game changer right there. That's a game changer. And in this battle that we're facing now, and it can get so discouraging, there can be days when the overreach of our government is becoming so great that
that we can feel like we're completely surrounded. And what can we do when our governors and, and even, even some mayors are, are keeping the churches locked down and, and unable? It, it can seem like as Christians we're just completely surrounded and, and we're outnumbered. And what can we do? Where, where can we turn? I am saying to you, it's not by might nor by power, but by the Spirit of Almighty God that we're going to win this victory. Some time ago, during one of my morning prayer times as I was seeking the Lord, I heard these words from the Lord just, just speaking into my heart. I not only want you to know my power and my anointing, I want to fellowship with you. Those words just came powerfully upon me. I, I had been meditating upon the Holy Spirit for several months. It was leading up to the 100th anniversary of the Azusa Street Revival. And as I was meditating and, and going back and re-looking at scriptures on the Holy Spirit and, and re-looking at the history of the outpouring of the Holy Spirit, a deeper hunger for Holy Spirit was growing inside of me. And, and I was, it wasn't that I was, that I was lukewarm in my heart and spirit. It's just I was getting a hunger for more. I was wanting more. I was wanting to experience what those days were like when the Holy Spirit was being poured out in 1906. And, uh, and, and as it had been poured out in the, in the hills of Tennessee at the Sheriff's Schoolhouse uh, on, the, on the state line between Tennessee and the Carolinas and, and uh, uh, that gave birth to our great movement, and, uh, and their experience, I, just, I was just hungering for more. And as I was meditating on that and hungering for that, Holy Spirit came to me and said, I not only want to anoint you, I not only want my gifts flowing through you, but I want to fellowship with you. Now, that was brand new for me. I, I understood fellowship. I mean, I knew what fellowship was like. The church family lives by fellowship. I mean, going all the way back to the birth of the church in Acts chapter 2. And it said, and they continued steadfastly in the apostles' doctrine and fellowship and in breaking of bread from house to house. I, I, I understood that. I, I get that, fellowship. The very, the very Greek word for fellowship was koinonia, meaning, as you can see on your screen, association, a joint participation, to be in communion together, to, to have relationship together. So I, I get that. I, I, I understood that, that concept. But fellowshipping with Holy Spirit 
fellowshipping with Holy Spirit. Now, now that was something new to me. And, and I, I wondered, well, can, can you fellowship with Holy Spirit the same way you fellowship with Jesus, the same way you fellowship with Father? Can I fellowship with Holy Spirit the same way I fellowship with my, with my brothers and sisters in Christ? And that was a whole new concept to me as I was looking at it. But as I began looking, I thought about Philippians chapter 2, verses 1 to 2. Listen to these words. As the Apostle Paul wrote to the church at Philippi, he wrote these words to them. He said, therefore, if there is any consolation in Christ, if any comfort in love, listen, if any fellowship of the Spirit, capital S, any fellowship of the Spirit, if any affection and mercy, fulfill my joy by being like-minded, having the same love, being of one accord, of one mind. I thought, wait a minute, wait a minute. He is saying that a significant part of the koinonia in the church family flows out of a koinonia with Holy Spirit. That began me thinking, is there more in Scripture about this koinonia with Holy Spirit? Where God talks about the significance of fellowshipping with Holy Spirit. And as I kept looking at Scripture and digging in Scripture and digging deeper, as, the, as he was taking me deeper and deeper, I began to see that the whole concept of fellowshipping with Holy Spirit has great significance to the ability of a church family to have strength and fiber and the ability to stand fast together because they have fellowship with Holy Spirit. It flows together. And then I began thinking, I wonder how, what a difference that makes in the family. When the members of the family are koinoniaing with Holy Spirit, how that strengthens the fiber of the marriage relationship. How it strengthens the fiber of the parent-child relationship. And the relationship between the siblings. Because they fellowship with Holy Spirit... And the strength that flows out of that fellowship with Holy Spirit becomes a natural strength that flows into their human relationships. They flow, and that's what the Apostle Paul is saying here in Philippians. That's what he's saying. It flows out of that. And that goes right back to what Jesus was saying in John chapter 14 when he said, I'm going to pray the Father. He's going to give you another comforter even the spirit of truth. Now, that he may abide with you forever. He's, he's not going to just come and go, come and go. He's going he's to habitate in you. He's going to live inside of you, the comforter. And it's the Greek word parakaleo or parakletos. And what that word means, I think, is illustrated for us greatly in an experience one Bible translator had on the mission field. 
translating the scriptures into the language of these people that had never had the Holy Scriptures. The translator was trying to figure out, how, how do I translate the word comforter? Because in, in, that, in that people group's language, there was no word equal to comforter. And over several months, the translator searched, asking different leaders. And one day, unexpectedly, the translator, in talking with a member of the community, community leader, mentioned, is there a word similar to comforter? And she explained what the word meant in English. And the person said, oh, yes, yes, yes. We would say it this way. To fall down alongside of. And the translator said, explain that to me. She said, well, our, our, our couriers... They carry great weights upon their head for many miles. And sometimes in carrying that from one place to another, the courier becomes exhausted, and in their exhaustion, they fall down on the pathway, and they lie there at great risk, maybe even overnight, having to lay there and recover, exposed to the elements, but also exposed to the dangers of the wild animals that are in our area. But another person comes by and sees them there, having fallen down, and that person gets down beside them and strengthens them and picks them up and takes their load upon themselves and helps them walk to the place that they were going to. And we call this falling down along beside of. The translator knew that was exactly the translation of parakaleo. One who comes along beside of and picks you up and will carry you if necessary, and will carry your load for you. And that's what Holy Spirit does. That's Holy Spirit in your life. Jesus said, he will be your parakaleo. He will be your parakalete. He will be the one that comes and falls down beside you and picks you up and gives you a supernatural strength and gives you the ability to keep going when your strength is exhausted, when you are emotionally worn out, when you can't go another step. Holy Spirit in you gives you a supernatural strength to keep on going, to keep on walking, that you might be able to carry the load Almighty God has called you to carry so that you, child of God, 
You can be that mighty warrior that God needs at this time, in this place, and this moment. Holy Spirit. Holy Spirit. Mm. Fellowshipping with Holy Spirit. Koinonia with our comforter. With our comforter. Fellowship with Holy Spirit is the way to a deeper spiritual growth in your life. Holy Spirit and fellowship with Holy Spirit is the way to get to a deeper spiritual life. Jesus said this in John 14, 26, when the comforters come, he will guide you into all truth. For he will bring all things to your remembrance whatsoever I have commanded you. In John 16, 13, he said, the Holy Spirit will be your teacher. He will teach you all things. Holy Spirit. Fellowshipping with Holy Spirit will give to us that ability to understand the things of God that we've not been able to understand before. The Apostle Paul said it this way when he was writing to the church at Corinth. He said to them, he said, But as has been said, eye hath not seen, ear hath not heard, neither has entered into the heart of man the things that God has prepared for those who love him. And I hear people quote that and they say, see there, you can't understand. Who can know? I mean, the things of God are beyond us. Who can possibly know? But dear ones, we got to understand that's just that was just the introductory remark of the apostle Paul. This is what has been said, but we're living in a new day. We're not living in the day of the Old Testament when things were in shadows and types. We're not living in the Old Testament day when the Holy Spirit would would come upon someone and give them a limited measure of the anointing of God. When Elisha said to the prophet Elijah, I want a double portion of your spirit. And Almighty God responded. And it's curious because Elisha did exactly to the very number twice as many miracles as Elijah did. But we got to understand Holy Spirit was given in measure. And things were in shadows and in types. And unless there was a supernatural ability of revelation, things were not really being understood. But now we have a new day. This is a new day. Jesus said, I'm going to pray. The Father, he's going to send to you the paraclete, the one that will come along beside you. And he is going to guide you into all truth. He will be your teacher. And that's why the Apostle Paul went on to say, but God has revealed them to us by his spirit. For the spirit searches all things, yes, the deep things of God. 
And if you continue reading in that portion of Scripture in 1 Corinthians chapter 2, he goes on to say he compares spiritual things with spiritual things. And so we can begin to understand and we can go deeper in our walk with God than we've ever gone before. We can have the wisdom of Almighty God. In 1 Corinthians chapter 12, it's one of the gifts of the Spirit is he gives to us the spirit of wisdom. He gives to us the spirit of discernment. He gives to us the spirit of the word of knowledge. And so Holy Spirit will give us the ability to see and to know and to understand things that naturally, with our natural mind, we would never be able to grasp. But Holy Spirit reveals them to us. Our teacher. Mm, thank you, Lord. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you, Lord. Would you pause with me right now? Just, just pause with me and just give God some worship. I love you, Lord. Praise you. Praise you, Lord. Thank you. Thank you, Lord. Mm. But if we're going to fellowship with Holy Spirit, we've got to learn his personality. We've got to learn who he is. We, we, we see that same thing in, in human fellowship, right? We meet someone casually. When I, when I meet someone on the, on the golf course I haven't met before, we'll have casual conversation. We, we may even find out where each other works. I don't usually tell them right away that I'm a preacher. I just tell them I work in the public sector. I do some counseling. Then when we get all done, I'll tell them I'm a preacher. And the reason I don't tell them right up front I'm a preacher is because it puts a wall up and I'll never get past that wall. I'll never get to know who they are. But I, our conversation with those that we just meet casually is different from the conversation of those that we may see in the workplace every day. We, we, we learn the names of each other's children, how old the children are. May even learn some of, the, some of our school background and kind of where we came from. Because, because we're around them more, we get to know them a little bit more. We'll learn some of their personalities. You know, you'll, you'll find out if, if, if that's a person that that really kind of runs hot and cold, hot and cold, or if that's a person that's really steady Eddie, or if that's a person that, yeah, they're pretty easy to get, but, but boy, boy, when things get tense and, and when things on the job aren't going quite right, they can, they can get pretty frustrated and maybe even pretty angry. You, you, you're learning because you're around them more, you learn them more. And then those that become really close friends, we share our deeper things with them. They may know some of the personal struggles that we're having in our marriage or with one of our kids that's kind of going sideways. Or they may know that we're, we're having medical issues. Or they, they, they may know even some about some of the dreams that we have and visions and hope. That, because, and, and our very best friends, which you get, I mean, what do you get? Maybe three best friends in a lifetime? And they know the really deep things about us. And see, that's how it is with Holy Spirit. Holy Spirit wants us to fellowship with him more and more so that we get to know him more and more 
so that we get to know his personality so that he gets to know us more and more so that we move from a casual relationship to becoming exactly as Proverbs says, that friend that sticks closer than a brother. That friend that sticks closer than a brother. See, Holy Spirit is a person. Holy Spirit isn't a force. He has force. He has power. But he's not a force. Holy Spirit is not an it. I, there's oftentimes, I, I, I hear people talk about Holy Spirit as if he's an it. I like to talk about Holy Spirit. He's a person. Holy Spirit is his name. So I call him Holy Spirit. I don't say the Holy Spirit. I just call him Holy Spirit because he's a person. He has a name. He has emotions. Holy Spirit can be grieved. Holy Spirit can be quenched just like you and I. I mean, we've, we've, had, we've had days when we've had a really good day where it's a happy day, we're filled with joy, and then we get news that someone has been severely injured in an accident or something, and our spirit is quenched. Holy Spirit can be quenched. Holy Spirit has joy. Holy Spirit has love. Holy Spirit has gentleness. He has goodness. He's faithful. Holy Spirit is faithful. Holy Spirit is not your friend, not your friend, your friend, not your friend. The Holy Spirit's faithful. You can always count on him. Holy Spirit has personality, and he wants us to get to know him. He wants to get to know us. Now, how many know that because he is God, he already knows everything about us? But he wants you to know he knows everything about you. And the way you get to know him that way is by fellowshipping with him, learning his personalities, learning those things that, that quench him. 1 Thessalonians 5.19, when it says quench not the spirit, he, he talks about do not, do not speak demeaningly of the gifts of the Holy Spirit, of the prophetic word. Don't speak demeaningly of the prophetic word, of the working of miracles. Don't, don't speak demeaningly of Holy Spirit's work. That quenches him. In 1 Thessalonians chapter 4, in verse 8, it says that we can reject Holy Spirit. It said those that do not live a morally pure life will reject Holy Spirit out of their life. You can actually push him aside. You can push him out of your life. The more you involve yourself with things that have immorality in them, the more you're pushing Holy Spirit away. And so you might want to ask yourself these two very important questions. Do I, when, I, when I talk about the gifts of the Spirit, when I talk about prophecy, when I talk about, about tongues, interpretation of tongues, when I talk about gifts of healing and the working of miracles, do I speak about them in a demeaning way? Do I make fun of them? Do I mock them? I think about in recent years, there have been very popular Christian comedians that 
that have done, have done uh, uh, satires on, on worship and mocking different forms of worship and, and mocking the ways that people respond to Holy Spirit. And, 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 and I, I will not spend 10 seconds watching those things because they are mocking things that are very, very personal to Holy Spirit. Don't make jokes about the working of Holy Spirit. It quenches him. It'll quench him in your life. Those that have a diet of R-rated movies where there's a lot of violence and there's, a, there's, there's nudity and there's vulgarity, and you allow those things, uh, PG-13, you allow those things into your home, into your life on a regular basis so that, that you're watching things that has that has foul language, you're watching things that has sexual innuendos. The more you allow those things into your life, you're pushing Holy Spirit aside. Holy Spirit really does not like those things. And, and, and if you want to embrace more of Holy Spirit, you want to embrace more of the things that please Him. It said in, in Ephesians chapter 4, Beginning at verse 26, be angry but sin not. Do not let the sun go down on your wrath. And then it talks about being careful how you use your words. And then it says, and, and what? He said, and do not grieve the Holy Spirit. And then he goes on to talking about being resentful, being bitter, having rancor, having having. Uh, 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 unresolved anger against people. And, and he talks about those things. He says, these are the things that will grieve Holy Spirit. So Scripture tells us how that these things grieve him, these things reject him, these things quench him. And we need to, if we're going to fellowship with Holy Spirit, we've got to go to those places, study those out, and then be honest with our own heart and say, am I doing things that grieve him that quench him, that reject him. And if I am, I need to remove those things out of my life. If we're going to fellowship with Holy Spirit, we need to be actively doing those things that please him and that make him happy and that welcome him and embrace him with a greater and greater embracing in our life. If we're going to fellowship with Holy Spirit, we've got to take time with him. Scripture calls this waiting on the Lord. Waiting on the Lord. Taking time with him. <laughs> I liken this to young lovers I had, uh, I had made a vow with God, and you got to be very, very careful when you make vows with God, because if you make a vow with God, he expects you to keep them. And I had made a vow with God that I would not date until I met the woman that I was to marry. There's a couple of reasons I made that vow with him. One was my dating habits hadn't been very 
Christ-like habits through the years. I'd come to Christ in high school, and um, I had been very immoral before I came to Christ, and I was trying to learn how to live like a Christian, but I wasn't making very good headway in my dating habits. And I thought, the only way I'm going to get this right is I've got to just stop dating. And so I, that was one motivation. Another motivation that helped me move even closer to that was the girl that I had been verbally engaged to. We hadn't officially been engaged, but we'd verbally committed ourselves to one another. When I, when I got my draft notice and joined the Air Force and arrived at my first duty station, I'd only been there a few weeks, and I got a Dear John letter from her, and she threw me aside and started dating my best friend. <laughs> so those two things coming together at the same time became kind of a motivation. I think the Lord was leading me there. Holy Spirit was leading me there to make that kind of a move in my life, that it was time for me to get my life in a way that pleased him. That was in March of 1968. And from March until December, I didn't date anyone. I was active in youth ministry. And when there were, when there were youth events, there were, there were young ladies that I would sit with and talk with and fellowship with, but I wasn't dating anyone. But on December 9th, 1968, God released me to have a date with this little Italian gal that went to Great Falls High School. Her name was Wanda. And I took her out on our first date, December 9th, 1968. And every night after that, I was at her home. I wanted to be there as often as I could be. And uh, I remember it, this had been going on for a few weeks. And one night, her, her dad worked a swing shift. And he usually got home about 1, 1.30 at night. And this one Friday night, he came in about 1.30, walked into the living room where we were sitting and talking and chatting. And we, we, had, a, we had a very moral relationship, very godly relationship. Wanda was a very godly woman, still is. In fact, she's the most godly woman I've ever known. But uh, <laughs> her dad walked in and looked at me and he said, don't you think it's about time you went home? <laughs> and so I headed back to the barracks. I wanted to be with her as often as I could. I wanted that fellowship. I was falling in love with her. My love was deepening for her. And the more I got to know her, the more I loved her, and the more I wanted to spend time with her. The more you know Holy Spirit, the more you get to know him, the more you will want to spend time with him, the more you will love him, the greater appreciation you will have for him, and you will want to spend time with him. I, I know couples that got married in a matter of weeks. And they didn't really know each other. I mean, how could they? They hadn't spent enough time together to really know one another. You can't get to know someone in four weeks. You can't get to know someone really in four months. That's why the first five years of a marriage is so challenging. 
is because you're taking two people from completely different backgrounds and you're trying to help them to get to flow together and there's cogs in this wheel that aren't matching up and it's going to take time to get it together, to learn each other's personality, to learn how to flow together. And it's the same way in walking with Holy Spirit. He wants you to spend time with him so you can get to know him so you can learn him, so you can walk with him, so you can become more intimate with him, so you can learn how to walk out of the power and life flow of Holy Spirit in you and through you. And when you do that, you will develop the greatest strength and power you've ever realized in your life. Fellowshipping with Holy Spirit. Wow. It's amazing. It's amazing. <clears throat> there is a glory in store for you that you can't even imagine. It's found in Psalm 25, 14. Look at it. You've got it on the screen. The secret of the Lord is with those who fear him, and he will show them his covenant. God wants to bring you into the secret place of the Most High. He that dwelleth in the secret place of the Most High. He that dwelleth in the secret place of the Most High. Wow. What's that mean? Well, the psalmist went on to say, shall abide in the shadow of the Almighty. See, God wants to draw you into that secret place with him. And it only comes through waiting on him and spending time with him. But when you are there and you begin fellowshipping with him, he will begin to reveal to you things that others don't see because they don't have the walk with him that you have with him. Yielding your whole being to him and walking in that strength. Wow. Holy Spirit. It's not by might. It's not by power. It's by my spirit, saith the Lord of hosts. Your ability to stand in this season is in direct relationship to your walk with Holy Spirit. God is light and in him is no darkness at all. If we say that we know him and walk in darkness, we lie and do not the truth, John said in 1 John chapter 1, verse 6. Walking in the light is in direct ratio to how much darkness I allow in my life. The more I allow darkness into my life, I am shrinking the capacity for my life to have light, and I am quenching Holy Spirit I am grieving Holy Spirit, and the more I allow darkness in, I may even push Holy Spirit out and reject him. But on the other hand, the more darkness I remove from my life, the greater capacity I have for light, the greater capacity I have for fellowship with Holy Spirit. And as I enlarge my capacity for fellowship with Holy Spirit, I am enlarging my capacity for his divine strength in my life and for him 
to take me deeper into the things of God so that I am growing and maturing in my walk with Almighty God. So that brings us to a question. Three questions I have for you today. Number one, do you have a walk with God? Do you know Jesus Christ as your Lord and your Savior? Do you have a walk with God? Number two, if you have received Jesus Christ into your heart and life and you have a walk with him, have you developed a relationship with Holy Spirit? Do you fellowship with Holy Spirit? Or is Holy Spirit at this point kind of a mystery to you? Is he maybe kind of just more a force, maybe just an experience that you've had, but he's not really a person that you know and you walk with and you fellowship with? Here's the third question. If you have known Holy Spirit that way, are you continuing to walk deeper and deeper with Holy Spirit? See, those three questions are critical in our life because Almighty God means for you as a child of God to abide and habitate in his secret place and for Holy Spirit to abide and habitate in you in an active, life-giving way. So my question to you, if you've never received Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, you can do that before we end this broadcast today. And I want to pray that for you in just a moment. If you have a walk with Holy Spirit or you've never walked with Holy Spirit, He is waiting and you can do that today. I want to pray with you. Would you join me in prayer right now as we as we bring this portion of this service to a close, would you pray with me right now? If you've never received Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior, repeat this prayer with me right now. Lord Jesus Christ, I believe you died on the cross and rose from the dead. And I believe you died for me. I believe you took my sin and everything I've ever done wrong on the cross with you. And you died in my place. Jesus, I ask you to forgive me of everything I've ever done wrong. And I ask you to wash my heart pure and clean. Come live in me, Jesus. Come live in me, Jesus. I receive you right now, Lord Jesus. Thank you for coming and living in me. Amen. If you've never fellowshiped with Holy Spirit, would you pray this prayer with me right now? Holy Spirit, I believe you are God. And I believe Heavenly Father sent you to me to live in me, and to be active in my life. Forgive me that I've never really taken the time to know you. Holy Spirit, forgive me that I have not learned who you are. I want to know now. 
Would you begin teaching me? I want to get to know you. I want to fellowship with you. And I welcome your active participation in my life every day. Holy Spirit, work in me. Thank you, Holy Spirit. Thank you. Amen. 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 If you prayed those two prayers with me, would you please, in the, in the comment section, just write, I prayed. I prayed. And if you made a commitment to Jesus today, would you write, I prayed, send me the material. Because I've got a Bible for you. I've got a discipleship book I would like to send you that will help you begin this walk with Jesus. And if you, if you prayed this prayer and you would, about walking with Holy Spirit, you'd like to get more acquainted with Holy Spirit, if you go to my blog site at fdeanhackett.com, you will find there a book, uh, The Promise of the Father. You can also get it at amazon.com. The Promise of the Father written by me, and it is all about Holy Spirit, who he is, how he works in your life. Let me encourage you to get that resource, and uh, it's, it's a great study book on the Holy Spirit. It has been awesome to study with you today, to worship with you. Pastor Jesse's coming right now. He's got some very, very important information for you that he's going to be, be sharing with you. I encourage you to uh, stay with him as he comes. Pastor Jesse, come on. And uh, share with them. And uh, uh, you're going to let them know a little bit more about uh, some things happening this Wednesday night, right? Yes, sir. All right. Amen. God bless you. Thank you, Pastor Dean, for sharing the powerful message this morning. Man, God is so good. I'm, I'm just so excited. So excited for uh, what God's going to do in, in your life and in my life and our church. And I just want to give you a few announcements this morning or this afternoon. Uh, our, our pastors and staff, we continue to pray for you during this time. If you have any prayer requests, you can put them in the comments right now during this broadcast or you can text us your prayer request to Pastor Wanda or Donna, or you can email us your prayer request at info at winacity.com. The, the prayers are shared with our pastors and our intercessor ministry team. Also, Pastor Dean, he's calling on all intercessors all those who are fervent with prayer to join us at 7.30 a.m. every day to pray for our nation and to also pray for revival. Amen. Uh, we're seeking God passionately right now for spiritual awakening in our nation and not only that, but that living faith church would experience a powerful, authentic revival. 
So if you would, please join us every day at 7.30 a.m. to pray for our nation, to pray for revival. One other thing I would like to mention is that all of our studies in the book of Revelation and Discipleship 101 and other resources have been uploaded on our YouTube channel. You can find our YouTube channel at Living Faith Church, Hermiston, Oregon. And please subscribe to it if you haven't already. When you subscribe to it, that gives you the ability to see new updates on videos that we post and that are uploaded. And not only that, but that helps us out as a church to expand our number of viewers. And not only that, but it creates a powerful community online. One other thing I would like to mention is to give you a reminder to keep following Pastor Dean's Facebook live messages and words of encouragement and hope during this COVID-19 crisis that's taking place to just give you a a, a good word and to, to help us out, to help us out, to give you peace during this time. Not only that, but just to fill you up with the power of the Holy Spirit. Also, please remind your students to join me every Wednesday night at 7 p.m. Right now we are doing Fusion Online, Youth Group Online with Zoom, and that's every Wednesday night at 7 p.m. Also, join Pastor Dean as they go through the book of Revelation every Wednesday at 7 p.m. on Zoom. He announces the meeting ID through Facebook, and also through text message. So just keep your phones ready for that. I, I, I really enjoy our, our weekend, our, our, our midweek studies. They're just, uh, they're so amazing. Also, I want to thank you all for your generous giving and faithfulness as we have transitioned to our online ministry. Your tithes and offerings are making an impact in our community as we support our first responders chaplains, Agape House, True Pregnancy Resource Center, and not only that, but our local ministry. We also shared with you last week how your tithes and offerings are making a huge impact across the world in Croatia, Bosnia-Herzegovina, and also in Israel with our missionaries. We're so blessed to partner with you in supporting LFC, our community, and our missionaries. There's three ways that you can send your tithes and mission offerings. Number one is through mail at P.O. Box 310, Hermiston, Oregon, 97838. Number two, you can come by our church office Monday through Thursday between 9 a.m. to 3 p.m. And number three, 
visit our website at www.winacity.com. Go into the upper right-hand corner, click on the menu, and there you can click on Give. And that will take you to our online giving portal <clears throat> where you can also set up an auto draw. I just want to thank all of our church family and our guests for worshiping with us today. We pray that it was a powerful experience for you and that it was a meaningful time. Have a blessed rest of your Sunday. And we hope to see you again soon. Thank you.